So as we are in Yom Kippur, also known as the Day of Judgment, we started 10 days ago with Rosh Hashanah, the blowing of the shofars, announcing that judgment time has begun, the books have been opened, and that we have a short period of time before the judgment will close. Our record books uh, are before us, and we can read them, and God will convict us and show us what sins are in our lives, and we can receive forgiveness. And so now in this last day of the 10 days of awe, we continue in that mindset of repentance before God, allowing God, as King David said, search me, O God, and try me, see if there be any wicked way in me, and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And so we spend the day allowing God to bring anything to our minds, anything from the year, anything from our lives, and then confessing it before him, receiving his forgiveness, and that's what kippur means, atonement, forgiveness, covering, to kippur, to cover, he covers our sins. It's the day when God covers us. He's not wanting to find us in fault. That's why he gives us a warning. That's why he gives us the 10 days uh, on a yearly basis so that we have time to get it right before him so that he can cover our sins with his sacrifice, with the sacrifice of the Messiah. And all of that represents the last days that we're living in before this world ends and before a final judgment day. God is warning the world to get ready, to get ready, that time is not going to last here forever and there is going to be a day when all will be judged according to the choices that we have made. And so while we're still in this time period, in this yearly cycle, the, the door of mercy is still open. Uh, on your Rosh Hashanah, again, the, door, the books are open. And then the saying is, is that on Yom Kippur, the books are sealed, right? And so we want to be sealed for a good life. We want to be sealed for a good year. We want to be sealed in God's book and have our names sealed there before him. And, and so symbolically, we leave the, the Ark of the Covenant open on Yom Kippur, symbolizing that God's throne is open to us, that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to receive mercy in our time of need and so we can come before him uh, at this time and so again symbolically through the end of the life of on earth the the earth cycle the the age of this this earth uh, we have a period of time and then eventually it will close and God will pronounce from heaven those that are righteous will remain righteous still they will be sealed in their righteousness and those that are wicked will remain wicked still and the judgment will come down and, and that's just how it'll end. That uh, everyone will have made their final choice for God or against God. And no matter if we live for eternity and, and a tree of knowledge of evil right there before us, for eternity we will we'll not choose to disobey God. And the wicked, even if they were given a billion more choices or a gazillion, zillion more choices, they would never choose to follow God. Everyone would have made their final choice and thus God can can close it and then it says in Revelation he says it is finished the temple of God is opened in heaven and he says it is finished a final finishing there's two finishings at the Passover 2,000 years ago he said it is finished and then a final finishing the beginning of uh, the plan of salvation and the the ending of it I mean, of course it began in the very beginning but but a high point right along the way uh, of the ultimate Passover there in the upper room and so then that closes out the Yom Kippur. We will close it out with a blowing of the shofar. Final, that's the last trump. 
And the Bible talks about the last trump representing the Messiah's coming again. At that last trump, so that's at the end of Yom Kippur, after the judgment, after the, everyone has had opportunity to make their choice, after the warning has gone forth, and then a final shofar blast saying, it is done, it is finished, it is over. And then the Messiah comes, and he uh, takes the righteous to heaven, the wicked are destroyed, and he takes us to the new Jerusalem in heaven, where he's gone to prepare mansions for us, that we might be where he is, and, and then that prepares the way for a recreating of the, new, the earth so that there's a new heavens and a new earth wherein will dwell righteousness and where we will live forever, and that leads us right on a yearly cycle into Sukkot. And Sukkot is the festive harvest time that comes after Yom Kippur, so Rosh Hashanah, kind of a solemn time, the 10 days of all, kind of a solemn time, Yom Kippur, definitely solemn time, and then Sukkot, a rejoicing time. The Bible even commands us on Sukkot to rejoice, right? So if you're going to go through this day of fasting and, and start the service here and listening to Kul Nidre and, 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 and the Kaddish and, and, and the solemn sermon tonight, you might as well come for, young, for Sukkot and rejoice, right? Uh, you know, it's like working all week and not coming back for the paycheck, right? You know, uh, and, and so you want to make sure that uh, we come and rejoice together and have the festive time together. We'll have a sukkah built outside, so come a little early and help build the sukkah if you want. Bring some palm branches if you want. Bring some harvest fruits or things to hang on the sukkah and uh, decorate it. And then we'll get our pictures taken in it. So come a little early to get your picture and help de decorate the sukkah. And, uh, and then we'll have a rejoicing service with dancing and, and festivity and fun and reading God's word. And... And then we will eat together. We'll take the fruit off the sukkah and we'll eat it together and have a harvest festival together and a special Oneg Shabbat. Uh, that'll be next week, next uh, Friday night uh, Shabbat service. And then the following Sabbath after that is Simchat Torah, where we rejoice and continue the rejoicing and rejoicing Simcha, rejoicing in Torah, rejoicing in God's word. And we'll march the Torah around and dance the Torah around and everyone will be able to march it and dance it around and everyone will be able to come up front and read it, and we'll start the reading all over again in Genesis chapter 1, and we'll explain why we do the various ceremonies we do when we take it out and march it around, and we'll explain the receiving of the kiss from, from the Torah at that time and all, all different types of things. Again, everyone who wants to read from it will be able to read from it. And that kind of then goes over the cycle because then God's word starts all over again. The new heavens and new earth, and, and God's book opened up all over again, and he begins the whole new book of eternity that he will start for us, that he will start writing at that point in time. And so it starts with us as we have our names written in his book. Okay, so let's look at our sermon tonight. Uh, continuing this year, we're doing Jeremiah. This one, Jeremiah 34, chapter 34. Repenting of repentance, right? And that's what... Uh, uh, the Ten Days of Awe about, repenting. And so, concern, this is a verse, this first uh, slide from last week when we read from Jeremiah 21. And Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah to say, Concerning the house of the king of Judah, say, Hear the word of the Lord, house of David. Execute judgment in the morning, and deliver him who is plundered out of the hand of the oppressor, lest my fury go forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because the evil of your doings. So he's saying, execute judgment. 
correction. Call sin, sin in your own heart, in your own life. Execute judgment. Don't just excuse it away and blame others for it. Execute judgment upon yourself and any others that God has placed you in an authority over. We should execute judgment. Whether we're a school teacher or a parent or a boss or a landlord or, or whatever position we're in, to execute judgment in someone's life. Again, starting with our own, allowing God to convict us, allowing God to remove the log out of our own eyes so that we can then help others with their splinters in their eyes. Letting God cleanse us and then use us and speak through us as he did through Jeremiah. And to do that, and at the same time, so execute judgment, but then also deliver him who is plundered out of the hand of the oppressor. Be merciful to those in need and take care of them and help them. Least my fury go forth. So that word least there in the line, because it's a warning, it's an opportunity, it's God's mercy saying, do these things or else. Right? So, so he's telling, him, telling us what to do so that we don't have to have God's fury go forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil of our doings. He says that will be the end result, but if we take that least <laughs> and do what he said prior to that of executing judgment and being merciful and delivering those that are plundered, being a defender of those that are being oppressed, then God's judgment of fire upon us does not have to take place. And so, that's what Jeremiah told them in Jeremiah chapter 21, and that leads right into, the book of Jeremiah is not in chronological order of the chapters. So this, this statement here goes right into this next, in chapter 34. Chapter 34, Babylon's army fought against Lachish and Eskah, for only these fortified cities remained of the cities of Judah. So Babylon had come in and annihilated all the cities except these three cities, Jerusalem and Lachish and, and Eskah. And we've been to Lachish, we've taken our tour groups there, uh, archaeological finds there, very amazing, very important city in the south, protecting um, Jerusalem and Israel from the south. And so for Babylon to come from the north and circle all around Jerusalem and to be fighting against Lachish means Jerusalem was now basically surrounded as far as the country. And then laying siege to, to Jerusalem next. So the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord after King Zedekiah made a covenant with the people in Jerusalem that every man should set free his slave, that no one should keep a Jewish brother in bondage. So Zedekiah got the message from Jeremiah to execute judgment to those that are oppressing uh, their brothers need to stop doing that, and he was defending those that were being oppressed and telling them they need to be set free. So praise the Lord, he got the message, he heard the message, and he acted upon the message, right? So that would avoid the fury of the Lord destroying Jerusalem, right? That's wonderful. That's what the conviction is about. That's why God sends us his warnings. That's why he sends us his word, so that we can be prepared and ready and bettered by it. And when all the princes and all the people who had entered into the covenant heard that everyone should set free slaves, they obeyed and let them go. So Zedekiah commanded, Jeremiah, God impressed Jeremiah, Jeremiah passed it on to Zedekiah, Zedekiah passed it on to the people, and the people repented and they set everyone free. Praise the Lord. 
that wonderful? And they started by making a covenant. They covenanted it. They committed themselves to the Lord. They surrendered their lives to the Lord. They chose to follow him. They chose to allow him to work in their lives. And that's how it is with us. It starts with committing our lives to the Lord. It's not doing good and then committing our lives to the Lord. It's committing our lives to the Lord, allowing God to work in our lives that gives us the ability to do good. Right? They work hand in hand. They work together. His salvation, his grace, his forgiveness then works in harmony with him, then empowering us and giving us the power to do what is right and do what is good. And so that's what we see here. They made the covenant. God blessed the covenant. God gave them the ability to make right choices. And God gave them the power to follow through on those choices. And that's wonderful. That's why God sent Jeremiah. But afterward, they changed their minds and made the slaves return whom they had set free and brought them into subjection as male and female slaves. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, I made a covenant with your fathers when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, saying, at the end of seven years, let every man set his brother who has been bought or sold to him, but you did not obey me. You recently turned and did what was right in my sight, every man proclaiming liberty to his neighbor, and you made a covenant before me in the house which is called by my name, and then you turned around and profaned my name, and you brought back your slaves. Thus says the Lord, you have not obeyed me in proclaiming liberty, everyone to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim liberty to you, says the Lord to the sword, to the pestilence, and to famine. And I will deliver you to trouble among all the kingdoms of the earth. So they repented of their repentance. They repented and then they repented that they repented. And so at this time of year, when we are making covenants with the Lord, when we are here together, making a covenant with the Lord, asking God to work in our lives and to renounce all attachments to sin and to habits and, and to the devil in every way, shape, or form, claiming his forgiveness and his mercy and the sacrifice of the Messiah and God's forgiveness and God's deliverance in our lives. When we start, let us allow God to empower us and continue on throughout the year. And may we not do like yearly January 1st, December 31st, New Year's resolutions, make promises, and, and you see the parking lots of all the health clubs fill up for two weeks, <laughs> and then go back to normal after that. <laughs> but may our covenants last throughout the year and throughout our life. I've seen bumper stickers and different things that say, um, believers in God are not perfect, but just forgiven. We are more than just forgiven. I mean, that's a cop-out. That's almost like saying, hey, so if I cut you off, <laughs> it's because I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. <laughs> so, well, hey, excuse me for that. Uh, but no, God does better than that. God does forgive us. 
But more than just forgive us, he transforms us. And that's where, again, the dressing in white on Yom Kippur and even the Torah dressed in white. And the Torah did not have, doesn't have any of the, the emblems on it. The breastplate is not on it. Because the Kohen Gadol, as we read from Leviticus 16, they took off the uh, Aaron, the original Kohen Gadol, the original high priest, all year long, he was dressed in colors and, 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 and jewels and 12 jewels on the breastplate and the Urim and Thurim and, and pomegranates and bells around the bottom and red and blue and, and, and beautiful colors. Uh, but on Yom Kippur, he took all of that off on Judgment Day and wore just the plain white. Again, representing the clean, that we are clean before the Lord, that our record is clean before the Lord. And on that day and that day only, he went in before the Holy of Holies, the Kodesh Kodeshim, before the Ark of the Covenant, before God's presence, to plead mercy in our behalf. Just as our High Priest, the Messiah, is standing before the throne of grace right now, pleading in our behalf, praying for us and interceding for us, and presenting his blood sprinkled seven times upon the mercy seat over the ark, over the Ten Commandments, pleading his sacrifice in our behalf that God would have mercy on us. But more than just mercy, because the mercy seat is there, but the Ten Commandments are there as well. And so he grants us forgiveness, but then he writes his laws into our hearts and into our minds and causes us to walk in them. And so as we're living in these last days, we should live circumspect, we should live humbly before the Lord. We should not be gathering up for ourselves and, and, and building up for us, but serving the Lord in simplicity of mind and heart and life. Even BMWs are going to burn in the judgment fire. <laughs> Even Jaguars are going to burn in the judgment fire. As we surrender all to the Lord, and it's not wrong to drive a reliable car or you know, have a boat or, or whatever, or a nice house or whatever, as God has blessed us and provided for us. But God has put a system in place that we can still place him first in all things in our lives and walk humbly before him and not for show, and execute judgment, and deliver those that are oppressed, and be merciful to those in need, just as God is to us. And so he can empower us. And so as we enter into this new year, well, another thing, an interesting thing on, on Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, again, such a day uh, in our minds, importance of it. There's an interesting article that was kind of a article about this book that was written. Uh, I think the title was um, something like, Yes, But They Were Nice to Their Mothers. Um, and it was about all these Jewish gangsters. And it started listing these gangsters and, and that were, I mean, mob kingpins that uh, ruled over like Boston and Chicago and these various unions and, I mean, just uh, and murderers, just mass murderers, you know, and the whole... Uh, concrete shoe thing, you know, and, uh, and just ruling. But on Yom Kippur, they went to synagogue. <laughs> and 
and they were nice to their mothers. <laughs> and so there's a dichotomy in our lives, but that's not how God wants it to be. God can work his deliverance and transform us and change us. It was one funny story of these three gangsters that were in this gang together. Uh, again, just, just horrendous murderers um, and thieves. Uh, but they came to the synagogue on, on Yom Kippur. Well, there were these, uh, uh, I guess they were CIA or FBI, I don't know, uh, agents that were tracking them that showed up as, in the service as well as Hasidic Jews. And uh, they blended in just fine, every, you know. And then there was a break in the service and, and the three uh, government agents, they went out to smoke a cigarette. Well, everyone knew they weren't fasting, <laughs> they weren't, and so and they weren't acidic to, to smoke on Yom Kippur, and so the three guys escaped and got away, <laughs> the three Jewish uh, mobsters, <laughs> because the, they got tipped off on that. Um, so, so how could they live this kind of life where on Yom Kippur, and some of them kept kosher, like, there was one guy, he kept kosher, he kept Shabbat, he wouldn't murder people on Shabbat. <laughs> I mean, unless it really, really had to be done on Shabbat. <laughs> Is how can we do that? How can we live that kind of life? How can we make commitments on Yom Kippur and then go back to it? How could they set people free with Babylon coming and destroying cities and laying siege and the warnings of Jeremiah and then take them back and enslave them again? How can we do that? How can we do that? Because in our own strength, we can manifest a certain degree of religiosity. In our own strength, we can conjure up and produce a certain amount of morality or a certain amount of ethics. But in our own strength, we cannot maintain it consistently over a lifetime. But when we surrender to God and surrender all our strength to him and acknowledge that without him we have no strength and that all, even our righteousness, even all our good deeds are just like filthy rags and that before him we're, we're just nothing, in and of ourselves. But to him, he looks down and says, but you're precious in my sight. And you're valuable in my sight. Not because of your accomplishments, not because of your good deeds, not because of your beauty or your intelligence, but because I created you and I'm recreating you and I bought you and I paid for you and I'm going to make you beautiful. I'm going to make you great. Right? You can look at a piece of wood and it's not worth much, throw it in the fire. Someone else can look at that same piece of wood, amazing carpenter, and can turn it into something very valuable. And so in and of ourselves, we're nothing but a piece of wood. But when we surrender ourselves into God's hands, he creates something beautiful might not be seen here on earth, the beauty 
Hardly anyone thought Jeremiah was very beautiful at all. Throughout his long ministry, it's only like one or two people that are mentioned heeding his call. But we look back and we're reading of him. And in heaven's record books, he was a mighty man of valor, mighty man of God. And God did wonderful things through him and blesses people today. And people will be in heaven today as a result of Jeremiah, even if people in his day did not listen. So God does something beautiful in us. It's God's miracle. It's God's transformation that he does. And as we surrender our lives to him on a daily basis, and as we make this covenant tonight with him and commit our lives to him, and don't take it back and don't try and do it in our own strength, but rely on his power, his grace, his strength, his Holy Spirit to come inside us and to empower us and to change us and transform us and to let this mind, Yeshua's mind, be in us that was in him. He changes our thoughts. He changes our desires. He changes our whole outlook on everything. And then he makes it easy for us to do what is right and good. And he makes it hard for us to do what is wrong. When we're in our own carnal nature, it's just the opposite. It's easy to do wrong, and it's hard, it's impossible to do truly right. But God changes us, and he changes all things. And that's how we can live this life, this year, and the rest of our life, by following through on the commitments God brings to our minds tonight and over the last 10 days and in the next five days and the next throughout this year and throughout our lives. As he convicts us and we surrender, accept the Messiah's death and sacrifice, he cleanses and blots it away and removes it from us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You have a stain in your talit or wherever and it gets cleaned out, it's gone. Cleanses us. They might get another stain of a different stain, but not the same stain. He's forgiven us and he's cleansed us. It's gone. And as the sun sets us free, we are free indeed. Completely free. Freed from the record, not just forgiven, but set free and delivered, saved, not only from the punishment, but from sin's power over our lives. And then he fills us with his Holy Spirit and empowers us to walk in newness of life. And all things become new. But it's only when the seed dies and falls into the ground and is buried that it can sprout up and become a tree bearing fruit. The key is dying and accepting God's Holy Spirit in our lives. Verse 20, their dead bodies shall be meat for the birds of the heaven and the beasts of the earth. I will give Zedekiah, king of Judah, and his princes into the hand of their enemies, into the hand of those who seek their life, and into the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which has gone back from you. And that's exactly what happened. 
When Babylon's army was there, the people were afraid. They set the slaves free. When Babylon retreated, they said, oh, it's okay. And they took the slaves back. When conviction's upon us, when there's some trouble upon us in some situation, we make all kinds of promises to God. But then when the problem is averted, we come out of the foxhole and go back into sin. God doesn't want us to go back into it. He sets us free and sets us free completely and totally. In good times or in bad. Behold, I will command, says the Lord, and cause them to return to the city. They will fight against it and take it and burn it with fire. And I will make the cities of Judah a desolation without inhabitant. And that's what happened. Babylon came back burned the city and destroyed the city. And that's what's going to happen to this world. History will repeat itself. God will destroy this earth with fire. But those who have been delivered out of it, those who have given their hearts to the Lord like Jeremiah, he will spare and he will save us. And so the choice is for us. Which way and what we want to choose And so on Yom Kippur, I want to go through a list of sins. Is that what's next, Barb? Let's see. Yep. The Alchate for the sin. So I'll read some, and then there'll be some portions for us to make a commitment before the Lord. For the sin we have committed against you, willingly or under compulsion. And for the sin we have committed against you, by hardening our hearts. And for the sin we committed against you, by acting without thinking. And for the sin we have committed against you, by speaking perversely. And for the sin we have committed against you, through sexual impurity. And for the sin we have committed against you, secretly and openly. For the sin we have committed against you, knowingly and deceitfully. For the sin we have committed against you, by offensive speech. For the sin we have committed against you, by wronging our neighbor. For the sin we have committed against you by sinful thoughts. For the sin we have committed against you by wrong associations. For the sin we have committed against you by insincere confessions. For the sin we have committed against you by being disobedient and dishonoring our parents and teachers, and those in leadership. For the sin we have committed against you by blaming others. 
For the sin we have committed against you by violence. For the sin we have committed against you by using your name in vain. For the sin we have committed against you by cursing. For the sin we have committed against you by foolishness. For the sin we have committed against you through our evil desires. For the sins that we've committed against you knowingly and unknowingly. And if you'd like to read with me. For all these sins, O God of forgiveness, forgive us and pardon us in Yeshua's name. For the sin we have committed against you by denying and lying. For the sin we have committed against you by bribery. For the sin we have committed against you by doubting. For the sin we have committed against you by slandering others. For the sin we have committed against you in our business dealings. For the sin we have committed against you by eating unclean foods and drinking. For the sin we have committed against you by being demanding and controlling. For the sin we have committed against you by our arrogance and pride. For the sin we have committed against you by speaking gossip. For the sin we have committed against you through selfishness. For the sin we have committed against you by thinking ourselves better than others. For the sin we have committed against you by being obnoxious. For all of these sins, O God of forgiveness, forgive us and pardon us in Yeshua's name. For the sin we have committed against you by rejecting responsibility. For the sin we have committed against you by being contentious. For the sin we have committed against you by tricking others. For the sin we have committed against you by envying what other people have. For the sin we have committed against you by levity. Uh, levity. For the sin we have committed against you by being stubborn. For the sin we have committed against you by hastening to do evil. For the sin we have committed against you by telling false reports of others. For the sin we have committed against you by not fulfilling our promises. For the sin we have committed against you by hate with hatred and prejudice. For the sin we have committed against you by breaking our trust. For the sin we have committed against you by confusion. For all of these sins, O God of forgiveness, forgive us and pardon us in Yeshua's name. We have trespassed, we have dealt deceitfully, we have stolen, and we have slandered. We have acted perversely, we have done wrong, we have acted presumptuously, and we have been violent. 
We have spoken lies, we have counseled evil, we have spoken falsely, and we have blasphemed. We have scoffed, we have rebelled, we have provoked, and we have oppressed. We have been stiff-necked, we have corrupted, and we have gone astray, and we have led others astray. But if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, thank you for committing yourself to us. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for liberating us from the slavery of sin, the slavery of wrong habits, the slavery of wrong choices, the slavery to the devil. Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you for forgiving us. And we want to commit our lives to you and consecrate our lives to you and surrender our lives to you. We want to die before you, allow our carnal natures just to be buried with you. And we ask that you rise us up, raise us up, that you fill us with your Holy Spirit, and that you fulfill your word in us, that you fulfill your promises in us. You give us hope and strength and grace and love. You manifest your character through us. You live in us and out of us. And you hold us and hold us tight and hold us faithful to your word and walk us day by day through this year, covered in your righteousness, covered in your purity, having your names written on our foreheads and in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives and sharing your love and your grace and your goodness with all those around us. In Yeshua's holy name. Amen.